Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. And brought to you, as ever, by you. Thank you very much to our patrons, existing and new, for supporting us each week at patreon.com slash uktech. If you are one of our patrons, then hurrah! This is your extended, longer version of this week's show with extra stories and things. And if you're not yet a patron but would like to support us and get my weekly columns, our longer versions, or our completely unedited versions... Head to patreon.com forward slash UK tech and find out how you can support us. Or, of course, thank you to everyone leaving us reviews and telling friends and family. We appreciate all that support just as much. Well, this week uh, has been a fairly slow news week, I'll be absolutely honest. The election, I think, has, has sort of <laughs> taken most people's attention away from uh, British technology news. So I'll be absolutely honest up front. It's not going to be a great show. Uh, probably a bit I don't shorter. Know. I think you're, you're selling it short because, I, as I've said before, I'm sure, I don't, I don't think the value is necessarily in the exact stories. But that, No, you're so, right. It's in our beautiful... Our deliverance, isn't it? Our, our our analysis and our you know industry leading back and forth. Anyway, so, if you if you're bored, my dad wrote a porno is back. You can go and listen to that instead because it's amazing. Let's stay on the topic briefly though for election uh, though first because there was one story, uh, certainly one theme of stories that intrigued us, uh, and this is one actually Ian flagged to me uh, and thought we should start the show with it, which is essentially around the concept of why people don't vote, and a survey was done. Uh, conducted by cable.co.uk and i am mindful that we are starting a show by talking about a survey but as i said guys like we're not fans are we that's the week we're we're not but that is the week we're dealing with here 1700 eligible voters uh, were surveyed um and uh, the 35 to 44 year olds, these are the people who are most keen to vote online. Uh, they're also arguably, as Gizmodo wrote in this write up, the age group to really use the Internet in significant numbers. It would have been really taking off, certainly in their late teens. Um, and it's, it's quite interesting. A lot of people who don't vote say they would vote if they could do it online. Like a significant number of people, I believe. And that doesn't surprise me at all. Before we move on, Ian, does that surprise you at all? No, it doesn't surprise me. And um, I I understand. Oh, well, I sort of, it's because I've been voting for so many years, I, I'm used to it. But I do, if I cast my mind back to the first time I voted, it is a fairly, um, uh, it, it's an imposing process if you've never done it before. You know, you have to, you have to register, you have to um, find out where your polling station is, you have to go to it, you have to, um, and even now, if you walk in then, you have some elections, I mean, the general election is not normally like this, but if it's a local election, you may be presented with hundreds of options uh, for candidates that you you haven't heard of before, because it could be things like um, local councils and stuff like that, MEPs, all that kind of jazz. Um, 
so it, it, it can be a fairly off-putting process. The fortunately, ge- the general election is you will have heard of the party names. Uh, you might encounter on your local election uh, some parties you haven't previously heard of. Well, the independents uh, are always the best there, like Lord yes. Buckethead. I mean, uh, now, he- Lord Buckethead has been garnering uh, international headlines since the uh, <laughs> since he- the results. He's been around for a long time because he, he was has. standing at least back as far as Thatcher. Well, it might not be the same one. Well, that's true. He does wear something of a mask. But but let's just look at some numbers here, because of the 1,700 eligible voters and, and people who said they weren't going to vote, uh, about 16% of them said that they were going to be vote or would have voted online uh, for the Tories, 14% for UKIP, uh, and then 6% each for Lib Dems and the Greens. You know, that is a, a large number of voters, if that's a representative sample, at least. Yes, um, did you mention the Labour one there, did you say? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, well, because it's it's huge. Um, it's twenty five percent would have voted Labour. Oh, really? Yeah, and these and this was a survey of people who wouldn't vote. vote they yes. were absolutely not going to vote. So, so that's um, actually about half, then, isn't it? Because that's twenty five plus fourteen. Uh, it's six over sixty percent of these people would have cast votes if they could do it online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over sixty percent, and, that, that's, and, and that's, that's a bi- that- that's a big problem because they're basically they're not voting for a particularly good reason. They're not not voting for a good reason. Mm. That they obviously have, as I wrote in this article, they're obviously um, that they're they're clearly engaged in politics enough to have had a thought thought about who they would vote for. Now, in order to do that, you have to have some vague idea about policies, don't you? Otherwise, they're all just the same. And and I understand people who feel that politics is all the same, because that's just a legitimate argument. But, um, you know, but the fact is that if you've come to a conclusion about which party you support, you must have you must be sort of fairly aware of what's going on around you. Well, there are some there are some positive things to be said for internet based voting, and and some countries do allow this. Estonia is probably the most notable. Uh, largely, they they've been doing this for, for for quite some time. I think as far back as two thousand and five, um, they've used it in eight different elections. Um, not many people use it. It's it's just under two percent actually cast a ballot online. Uh, although the most recent parliamentary election, according to the BBC statistic I saw here, uh, said that rose to uh, more than thirty percent did vote online, and they can do that because every single citizen by law has to have a digital electronic identity card um, which can be used for authenticating their vote so one of the big fears from at least some parts of the world about the the um the the risks associated with online voting is voter fraud and so one of the reasons estonia can push so heavily with this is that that's basically very very difficult to do when the votes are tied to a physical card that represents a single person but we don't have significant voter fraud in this country and nor does the nor do america so no and i've seen i've seen comments and statistics when researching this that say that actually the risk is very very low because in order to actually have a make a tangible difference on the outcome you need such an insanely massive number of votes to be cast erroneously that it's just not well it's there's a good that i link this video in the article there's a a tom scott video that he did for computer file that goes through it and yeah really the 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 risks um of of someone actually being able to defraud the paper-based system are minimal because um you'd have to you'd have to physically go to booths um 
and that would take a certain amount of time or you'd have to have an operation so large that it would just be impossible to keep it a secret and it would get busted wide open there's a really good video that tom did about um electronic voting in general and how what a terrible idea it is well we'll link Um, to that from the show notes at natelangston.com slash podcast uh, or at just go to techpodcast.uk that will redirect you the link may well also be in your uh mp3 description if you look depending on your your client um but there are other countries that have done it norway tested it they they had it for parliamentary elections uh, elections in 2011 and 2013 but they got rid of it uh, apparently there was some concern from voters and a variety of uh, you know in, inter-party bickering about that so that was discontinued um france did allow citizens who lived abroad to cast a vote online um but they got rid of it for the the recent election um and yeah, what you know, one of the risks is is for obviously security concerns. There's there's a lot of concern that you know computer you know malware on machines could be used to manipulate voting if executed properly. Um, but another big sort of counterpoint to this, uh, and I this is one that I personally think is the most viable to believe as a reason to not do internet voting, is simply because people like to be anonymous when they vote, and there's something rather simple and beautifully and on uh, sort of anonymous about going to a ballot box putting an x and putting your thing in a in a paper like that's very very difficult to where you cannot be identified you know short of someone scanning for fingerprints on the uh the ballot paper but even then very very unlikely to there's nothing to stop you from wearing gloves well exactly so that's another reason so i mean i i don't think there's any real uh impetus for this to take place in this country i think that the 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 methods of voting are pretty well liked generally and i but i do think that maybe as younger people start entering parliament and entering government and forming political agendas they're the ones that grew up with the internet and grew up with digital technology and unlike the incumbents at the moment many of which are uh you know let's not beat around the bush they're not exactly known for their technical savviness <laughs> um perhaps there will be a change but it will be several decades down the line maybe 10 years i don't see it being any sooner than that before we have any kind of impetus for this but let us know your thoughts of course people podcast at natelangson.com or let us know your views on uh, internet voting in your country or in the uk at text message pod on twitter Well, elsewhere in the world of law this week, uh, automatic facial recognition, uh, recognition, excuse me, uh, <laughs> raised its head. It's a little little joke there based on faces being a part of the head. Uh, because it's been used for the first time in Britain to arrest a man. Uh, this is according to an Ars Technica story based on something that happened with the South Wales police this week. Now, we have known that, we'll call it AFR, automatic facial recognition uh, it's been used or rather it's been trialed by a number of uk police forces but this is the first time it seems that it's been that it's ended in an arrest um, now just to give you some examples here I, I looked up some background to this uh, the technology was used at last year's notting hill carnival a huge event about a million people i think go to that horrible place <laughs> Uh, what, Notting year. Hill? The, lo- one of London's most beautiful oh. boroughs? No, 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 no. Notting Hill, beautiful. Been many times, used to live near it. Notting Hill Carnival, cesspit. Awful festival. Absolutely uh, well, it's disgusting. already aimed at you, in fairness. No, it's not. It's, it's, I, would rather, I would rather sleep in filth in Glastonbury uh, <laughs> than go to Notting Hill Carnival. Anyway, 
it was it had CCTV cameras uh, used there to match attendees to a database of wanted people. Uh, let's see. Now, apparently, either no one showed up who was a suspect or no suspects <laughs> were successfully identified because there's no arrests uh, made there. Um, but we do, you know, lots of governments have huge databases of civilian headshots. The US does it. We certainly do it uh, in the UK. And the oldest record I found of this being trialed in, in Britain was uh, in, two, in 2014, uh, which was by Leicester's police force. Uh, they seem to be the first and they were testing something called NEC's NeoFace software in July of that year, in 2014, which uh, the force, the police force that is, said it was uh, capable of comparing any digital image of a suspect with photos held on its database. It was looking at facial uh, you know, recognition. So this has been around for a while, three years, let's say, pretty much exactly. But the first time now uh, this week has led to an arrest. So back in April, it emerged that South Wales police planned to um, scan the faces, uh, and this is a quote, of people at strategic locations in and around the city centre. Uh, this was ahead of the UEFA Champions League, which apparently is a football thing, um, held at the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff on June the 3rd. But this arrest was made at the end of May, so slightly before this took place um it was a local a local guy apparently unconnected to the the football event at least according to the spokesperson who spoke to ours um but it is apparently the first time uh, a warrant uh, uh resulted in an arrest using this technology so i think it's quite interesting that this is an era that we're that we're in now because before it was pretty much a manual process of people having to recognize faces laborious yeah you know there are special people that you've just reminded me, there are special people who recognise faces. Yeah. Have you heard of it? I mean, I, I recognise faces. No, no, no. That's the thing. There are people who are much, much better at recognising faces than you or I will ever be. Well, there's actually, always someone better at me at something. Well, yeah, absolutely. But no, it, it's uh, it, there. There are uh, police forces employ people who are, uh, you know, who are, have a, a talent for being able to spot faces in, yeah. um, you know, like surveillance and stuff like that. But I was thinking. Nate. Were you, um, Ian? Please, yes. go on. Well, so, do you remember when uh, I wrote the other week about how that Galaxy uh, S8 iris scanner is, is defeatable? Um, you, do you remember when Sony had those cameras that uh, were able to do night vision mode? So Yeah, uh, the old they, video cameras. Yeah, so basically yeah. they have they somehow managed to be IR sensitive, uh, whereas most cameras have an IR filter. Um, and, you know, like, so by, by doing it, you can sort of see mono in the dark. But that is essentially what the camera is on the S8. So they were able to, um, they say, and I haven't obviously been able to ver- verify this because I don't have the equipment, but um, they took a photo of a guy uh and use that information to unlock his S8 uh, by photographing in IR his iris. And then they put um, a contact lens over the top uh, and that sort of spoofed it. It made it, it made it reflect light in the same way an eye would and let it in. But aside from that, what, what it transpired was that if you had the right equipment, if you had a camera that could take an IR photograph, um, you could get a really long telephoto lens and you could you know, snap eyes from actually a relatively decent distance, depending on the kind of lens you had. Um, And you could use that uh, in this way. But of course, it it, it might be another way to uh, identify people based not on their faces, but by their iris. And that is even more reliable. It's quite difficult for CCTV cameras to pick out an iris at the moment. True, but but not if you were not if you did it 
if you built a system that ex- entirely designed just to do it. And if you if you had already arrested people or held them for some reason and taken an iris scan, you might find that's another thing. I just thought it was interesting. I'm not saying it's necessarily a, a practical route to go down. I mean, as facial recognition gets better and better anyway, the only way to really defeat it, I guess, is to wear a head covering. It's an interesting topic, and it's one that I don't think is going to get any smaller because obviously this is the way uh, identification is going to go, um, and particularly as people are probably going to be scanned using a photo ID at the entrance to festivals, for example, in the not-too-distant future, it stands to reason that the police might be quite interested in uh, leveraging that uh, <laughs> yeah, method of entry. Into... That, is, that is not right, is it? You can't I'm just... not saying I agree with it. I'm no, just saying no, no. it's probably going to happen. Uh, well, absolutely. Yeah, of course it will. But I just mm. think you know that is one of those things that we've got to be really careful about. Yeah. Again, Indeed. you can make it sound like it's all for the public good, can't you? But, it, you know, I don't know. It just feels wrong. Anyway. Well, things that feel very right uh, will be sending your opinions to podcast at natelangson.com. Sorry, that was a bit, uh, a bit, bit vocal there, wasn't it? It was, wasn't it? Uh, but that is uh, accurate, what I sang there. Podcast at natelangson.com. It's open now <laughs> for your opinions. Well, related to our previous story in only about 5% of a way, but it does involve people having their photos taken. Uh, We just wanted to jump into this email um, from Richard, uh, who's one of our uh, beloved patrons. Uh, Richard wrote in um, in the last week or so to say, love the show as always. I enjoyed watching the 100th episode of putting faces to the voices I look forward to listening to each week. Now, that's not the facial connection to the previous story. That's still to come, ladies and gentlemen. Richard continues. During your discussion on paying in shops using an app, I was reminded that Apple stores have had this for about three to four years. In any Apple store, as long as you connect to their Wi-Fi, you can scan barcodes of all on-shelf products and pay for them with the press of Touch ID within the Apple Store app on your iPhone. I've been using this for years when I visit, but I didn't think uh, the issue of paying by app is a technological one. The problem is that regardless of how many times I walk in, scan and pay for items and not talk to any Apple employee, I feel like a criminal every time I leave the store. My wife's exact words are, it makes me feel so uncomfortable. The feel... Uh, You feel the overwhelming urge to sell someone that you have indeed paid for the hundreds of pounds of Apple products you're holding. I always wonder what it must look like to an unlooker in the store who isn't aware you can do this from their perspective. I've walked in, picked up a new Apple watch strap, pointed at my phone, and two seconds later I'm walking out of the store with it. So... Richard uh, continues, whilst waiting for an iPhone iCloud backup to finish, I did have a lengthy talk about the store app to an Apple genius uh, and asked how they knew I had purchased something when I just walked out the store holding it. Um, Don't Apple worry about me stealing it? Uh, His humour-filled response was that I shouldn't worry and that the stock system is linked to the cameras and that by the time I get to the store exit, security there will already be aware of what I look like and what I've purchased and with a very quick glance can see if I have the right items. I've been sorely tempted to try scanning a cheap flash drive and then walk out with a watch strap just to test the system, but needless to say, my (laughs) fleeting criminal thoughts have been stomped out by the thought of the embarrassing wait for the police trying to explain that I only wanted to test it and quite frankly, more troubling prospect of being banned from the only Apple store in Northern Ireland uh, regards <coughs> Richard. Now, that, Ian and I loved this email I because it was it. a great example of tech working for people, uh, but also a really great example of what happens when you remove people uh, from what is traditionally a very personable experience. Yeah, but is also, you... um, a really good example of the story that we did, I wasn't aware you could do this. Yes, indeed. I didn't know you could do this either. So I'm going to go and try. 
<laughs> but what I might do, actually, if um, if people are interested, I might I might see if Apple. I mean, they don't always agree to these things. I might see if they'll let me make a video of it, um, mm. and um, and demonstrate, you know, how they're able to tell and stuff like that. But I mean, obviously, there, there will be some proprietary stuff about that that they won't want to reveal. I would guess. But as oh, yeah. as a concept, I just don't think people know you can do that. I know. I certainly did not. Um, I guess because you have to be not. connected to the store Wi-Fi, right? So. Yeah, and if you're not already connected to it, that's a bit of friction, isn't it? I mean, a lot of people in that store are connected because the Wi-Fi is quite fast. Yeah. Well, but yeah. Anyway, um, if you've done this and uh, or have had an experience where this hasn't worked, because obviously that would be a, a, an interesting counterpoint to Richard's uh, story, uh, do let us know. Podcast at natelangson.com. Well, Ian, continuing with our... Um, only tangentially linked to tech a bunch of stories uh, this week consumer tech that is um, according to the ft internet streaming will become the largest source of global recorded music sales this year as revenues from services including obviously spotify and apple music etc surpass the sale of cds and vinyl combined for the very very first time now this story was based on um, a new forecast from uh, pwc now we did actually talk about this a few months ago back in april we discussed that this trend had already been predicted by the bp the British uh, music industry trade body, because at, in, in uh, April, the total income generated by the UK music industry was reported for 2016 to be 5% higher uh, and nearly a billion pounds for the year. Uh, and now that's up from £881 million the previous year. And a huge amount of that, i.e. 60% of that growth, uh, had, had been fueled by the number of people moving to streaming. So this report that we've got this week is that that is a global prediction now not just for the uk which again may not come as a huge surprise but in the week of very slow news it did at least feel significant uh, didn't it Ian? yeah i guess it kind of did and uh mm-hmm. taylor swift is back on spotify yeah well taylor swift uh is in my cd cabinet i can see her little face from here so it didn't affect me in the slightest so i have no interest in that i'll tell you someone it did affect though Gone. Katy Perry. Oh, she don't released, get me started. Because she released I don't her care. album. Yeah, you I, should. You should. I, You're backing the wrong horse there, mate. Because Katy Perry is uh, is better. We'll take this conversation offline i think um yeah so anyway a a few numbers that stood out here streaming revenues apparently will rise 37 percent in 2017 to be worth 9.1 billion dollars uh this year according to pwc and the sales of physical formats so cds and vinyl predominantly there uh, will drop 10 percent down to 7.7 billion dollars and the growth will be driven by um again obviously further adoption of streaming around the world which means that total recorded music sales are predicted to still rise 5.2 percent and be worth just over 23 billion dollars this year so for all the complaints about the music industry not being valuable anymore um it is it might not be as valuable as it was at one point but we see this sort of squeeze box effect don't we chief um in in music and and also you know with similar parallels happening in video with streaming for video that's happening too um so no surprises here but still interesting on no but uh, um and i was gonna say actually but you know i don't i don't necessarily think the music industry will be getting any i don't think it's a, a disaster i think people just make their money different ways and over yeah. a, and it's a more of a micro payment kind of effect than it is anything else like you and don't but, don't forget don't forget live as well because the growth yeah, sure. of the overall music industry you know huge growth from from live events festivals merchandise like that's that's enormous well, I was, but it, 
I was watching you know. the kids like to watch music videos, so we watched uh, we watched some Taylor Swift and stuff like that on on uh, YouTube on the TV, and um, I noticed you know things like they have a hundred ninety million plays on those mm. videos. Uh, you know that isn't an, that isn't a totally irrelevant source of income. Like it may no. not be huge, but it it will certainly add in, and of course it won't affect every artist. Uh, but I mean, I, I imagine that the Gangnam Style dude has made quite a lot of cash out of being the wo- the most watched video ever. Well, has, has he surpassed two billion now? Something he, like that. It was certainly well over, um, well over a billion the last. I time don't know. I, I don't. I mean, obviously, a lot of them aren't monetized for whatever reason. I would assume. But oh know, my he god, he's. Say- I just I just googled it. He's on two billion eight hundred and sixty eight thousand views. Wow. So that's quite that's quite that's quite significant. Yeah. Well done, Sai. I tell you what, he's got a video out that I just watched the other day for the first time called Daddy. Uh, it's a brilliant video. It's deeply terrifying and disturbing, but rather wonderful. Anyway, we'll leave that there. Uh, any thoughts, of course, very welcome. Podcast at natelangson.com. Well, before we wrap up, um, we've got one more email we wanted to get to, but I wanted to touch on something. Again, it's not a super UK-focused story because we've had so few of those this uh, this week, um, but it was one that just rang a couple of alarm bells in my head because two simultaneously weird things happened with cloud storage this week. Um, yes, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about cloud storage uh, stories this week. Um, the first is that Apple um, doubled its top tier of um, iCloud storage uh, to two terabytes uh, for, for iCloud for seven, uh, seven pounds, which is uh, what I pay for. Previously, that was one terabyte. They just doubled it overnight for no charge. Simultaneously, App, uh, Amazon dropped, it got rid of its unlimited drive, which was a really compelling tier. And, and it's what Kate subscribes to as well and, and really, really likes. And they dropped that down to one terabyte and just got rid of the unlimited tier entirely. And the risk now is that if you have stored more than a terabyte in this unlimited drive, when your your account is fine until it comes for re- renewal, but once you renew it, you'll need to drop it down and delete some data. And this seems like an incredibly weird move by Amazon, given that AWS and its storage powers a huge number of the of the world's websites. They're not exactly short of server space. Um, on the same day that, or certainly the same week, that uh, one of its main competitors um, doubled its to two terabytes for, for no extra charge. Um, so I thought it was just interesting to ask each other in um, how we use these cloud storage services. Well, with, we, we've had a very um, a very clear indication of how we use them, don't we? Because I couldn't upload a podcast uh, recording because I'd run out of space. Um, oh, yes, I remember the, that. And the reason I'd run out of space was that I had signed up uh, as a position i'm obviously very lucky i get to try a lot of android devices um there was a period of time where you know putting an i an android device on google drive would immediately get you something stupid like 100 gigs of extra space but only for two years so the deals that i've got um for all this extra space have slowly been expiring (laughs) and causing me great pain um so um yeah so i i had had something like 300 gigs of storage and it had, i'd lost 100 gig and then i'd lost something else and i had a lot of video on there that i cuz i every time i made a video i put it on google drive to share it with the people who were going to put it on the site so i just left a load of that stuff on there uh i'd put up some like uncompressed rushes and stuff like that on there so i'd used up pretty much all my space uh and what i didn't realize is that 
um, when you run out of space on Google Drive, not only can you not upload more files, eventually your Gmail stops working. It actually it actually cuts you off, um, which I found extremely perplexing because obviously Gmail is a completely different service. You know, it's it's tied to it, uh, but Gmail is obviously sort of unlimited and free isn't it really that's the idea of it uh so yeah so i thought that was a kind, kind of an interesting realization um yeah. but you that know, is that is interesting i pay for apple because i like to have a constant backup of all of my photos so that's never going to go away unfortunately because as long as i'm using an apple phone and taking photos with it i'm going to need to keep increasing the storage um i i don't really use amazon storage so it doesn't this particular story doesn't affect me google i use a lot um so but i don't want to pay for two i'm sick of paying for things on a monthly basis yeah it's getting extremely fatiguing it is and we we talked about this a little earlier uh, off the show actually about how i pay now uh, on a subscription basis for adobe lightroom and photoshop and that's now costing me about 10 pounds a month or something it's 120 pounds a year because i can't buy these products outright anymore like 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 we used to yeah and it's very frustrating and i just boned myself by completely forgetting to cancel my um uh my office 365 subscription i got a cheap deal because um in fact i think i got it for free because microsoft cut their in fact related cut their storage options didn't they they had some plan and they and i think if you if you qualified and i did for some reason um you would get you would get a year's free office so i got the office and then just forgot to cancel it funnily enough that's the reason that culling of the storage tier is the reason kate left onedrive and moved to amazon Right. So this is the problem with some of these cloud storage solutions is that they they overpromise and then get worried when ah, people start using it. But you know what? Um, I read some I, again. I, I would love to attribute this to the person that said it, and I, but I cannot remember who it was because obviously it was on Twitter and these things just go by. But um, the the comment was that actually um, these services are never intended to be unlimited. It is a loss lead. It, it's not a loss leader. It's an introductory offer. Um, and while they don't admit it, you have to understand that when you sign up for something that says it's unlimited at the start, you can bet your bottom dollar that it won't be unlimited eventually. Um, and you might get lucky and you might they might introduce a cap that's above what you're using. Um, but it's ne- they're not intended... If they were being honest with you, they would say this isn't a lifetime deal kind of thing. Um, but but there is a counterpoint to this because this is something that I've always I've long battled with ever since being a, you know quite fastidious about how I manage my personal media, my backups, uh, particularly my photos and videos, uh, is that storage space is only ever generally increasing and it's only ever getting cheaper. Ah, and well. so and, and this is true. Like <laughs> yes, it you is know, true. Two terabytes of online cloud storage baked into my OS into my operating system for just over you know for a five or just over a five or a month whatever it is six pounds or something like that's is unheard of back in the day i mean i only use about 300 gig of that um and and probably half of that is my photo and video library but the fact is i don't worry about this anymore like i like having that top tier because i do have most of my stuff saved in icloud because i use got a mac at work i've got my mac here i've got my gaming pc that has icloud on it I have how an much iPhone and how iPad. much is it a month that that offer that deal uh it's not a deal it's just the price i think well, it's yeah, six right. just over six pounds six ninety nine and that's I think. for two terabytes now for two terabytes a month good grief i uh, maybe i'll just switch everything to apple then you know, it's a very good deal. But again, it only really benefits you if you're in the Apple universe. But for me... Well, you can use it as a general storage device, can't you, I- I- yeah. iCloud? 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You, you can, can put anything. Like... You can upload any file you want, can't you? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 even it's baked into the operating system. So, for example, well. my my Finder, which is you yeah, know, the Mac you. equivalent of um, Explorer for people, just means you know when I click on all these files, like all my files are actually in the cloud. So if I lose my computer and and buy, I've just bought a new Mac, I log into iCloud. You obviously, I have to wait for everything to sync over, but over fiber, it doesn't take that long. Um, and then everything's there. All my, you know, folders, everything on my desktop, in my documents, in even my downloads folders, it's all synced. So it's a very good system. And and Microsoft, I was very pleased to see that Microsoft's introducing something very similar to uh, Windows 10 uh, in the update coming later this year. That again has this baked into uh, into Explorer in exactly the same way. And I strongly encourage people to consider using that because at least on OS 10, if it works the same on Windows, it's really good. It's very very convenient way of uh, storing stuff. And because because if your local storage gets too full, it purges very big old files that you haven't accessed for ages, which means you can pretty safely just chuck massive files. I have like video editing backups in there. Um, chuck them in there, and then they're just you can just remove them from your local system, but they're always in the cloud, and you can always just press the download button when you want to get yeah. it back. It's very good. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it is, and it, because it's incremental in the way that it uploads, it, it means it's fairly painless to use, and you, you don't notice it. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll have a, a sit down and a real think about how I structure my online storage. The problem is that um, I, I suppose if you move to an Android, um, you can't, like Google Photos works on both. But I don't believe there's any way to upload... Well, unless you do it manually, you can't upload um, photos from an Android, can you? Uh, manually, I don't know on Android. On Windows, it syncs. So you can, yeah. sync, it, you can sync iCloud in your photo library. Oh, I upload, suppose you could do it that way. And, and libraries work on Windows 10. It's a bit tedious because you you'd have to download everything on Windows 10 and then upload it again uh, you know, on, for, to, to Apple's cloud if you wanted to keep that yeah. as your cloud. But, I mean, there's always a way of doing it. Um, it's, just, it's just kind of frustrating that there's not one solution that, which, again, is why things like Amazon are good, because they work on every platform. What I would say is that also, for Apple at least, the web-based applications for for this are very good. I mean, the web-based photo library is identical to the desktop one in both form and function. Um Everything is identical. Even the transitions between like images and libraries and stuff is mm. basically the same. Um, so it's it's quite a good system to use uh, on a on a PC, for example. And I, I you know I have a PC as well, and I, I like using the web based stuff on, on yeah. there sometimes. Well, I, ultimately, I, I don't really want to be paying for two different services. So I mean, Google Photos is okay because you can back up an unlimited amount of compressed images. So for as a backup for my Android, it's okay. Like yeah, I don't compressed images. What, I know. We're not, I know. In a, we're not in an era of limited but, storage. But honestly, uh, you know, the photos that come out of camera phones are not so great. Like I wouldn't want to do it with my SLR photos um, because I really like having the RAWs, and that's a that's a, a huge issue for me because I have uh, I have a four what is it four terabyte NAS that's just full of photos, um, and because my RAW photos are fifty meg each. So, you know, it's kind of like it's it's a problem. Yeah. Well, let us know any thoughts you have, uh, listeners. Podcast at natelangson.com. How do you use your cloud storage services? Uh, have you heard anything that makes you want to try changing how you use your cloud storage? Uh, podcast at natelangson.com or at text message pod on Twitter. 
Well, just before we finish up, one more email that came in from Tom. He says, long-time listener, uh, I'm a little on the fence about adverts. And he's writing this in uh, because uh, we talked about adverts and the super-targeted adverts that we now see on the web uh, a few episodes ago and in one of our Patreon columns too. Uh, Tom continues, although I don't like my privacy being taken advantage of with direct adverts, I may be more open to my browser history rather than my personal info. I'm against them knowing details such as my date of birth, my name and address, but if I'm going to have adverts anyway, they might as well be adverts I'm interested in. I just bought a PS4, so naturally I've had adverts for new games coming out. I've actually been enjoying watching the new content, and that's the same for a lot of things. In fact, if adverts work together, I could buy a coffee table like you mentioned and have some funky chairs offered. Adverts aren't going away anytime soon, and I much prefer a free product, website, or podcast and supporting them by buying through the adverts. That's from Tom. So thank you, Tom. Uh, it's great. It's, I mean, it's nice to hear these counterpoints about why adverts do work for some people. Yeah, totally, obviously, you can be pretty paranoid about advertising, but oh, if it works for you then that's great isn't it yeah it absolutely is uh, well more emails welcome of course podcast at natelangson.com any views doesn't have to be even on anything you've heard in the show if you've just had a thought about a thing that's happened in the tech world and you just want to let us know maybe we'll be able to discuss it on the show as a result podcast at natelangson.com let's check in quickly before we wrap up uh, with Tom Merritt of Daily Tech News Show Tom what's been going on in the global world of tech this week my friend well thank you kindly there this week on Daily Tech News Show we dug into all the Apple announcements from WWDC especially focusing with Peter Wilson's Scott Johnson, on who exactly Apple's appeal to creative professionals is appealing to. We also kicked some ideas for developing bot personalities, decided it's a bad idea to kick a Boston Dynamics robot, especially now that it and the emotionally sensitive Pepper are both going to be owned by SoftBank. And we pondered why no major tech companies are talking about eliminating passwords anymore. All that and a synthetic tongue that sniffs whiskey at dailytechnewsshow.com. Thank you, Tom. I'm also, I'm bang up to date now on my Daily Tech News shows. I had a binge, I said on uh, last week's episode, thanks to all the work we did around episode 100, and then I went away. I was behind on some of my tech podcasts. So pleased to say I'm 100% back up to date now, which is great. Uh, do check Tom out, dailytechnewsshow.com. Ian, that's it, my friend. We're off, we're done. Um, Excellent. I need to go for a wash. I assume you do too. I do. I have uh, need to change this T-shirt because I spilt beans down it uh, just before we started <laughs> recording. Uh, didn't but, want to are delay. you going out this afternoon? No, I can re- easily no, remove the, the, uh, the, the T-shirt, but I don't know. I've got to marry Kate in four months. If I walk yeah. out with a T-shirt nah. covered no, in beans, no, 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 she no, might no, retract no. her acceptance. It's, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I was used to sitting at home. Uh, see it as a challenge. Yeah, well, see if worse. make it through the day with beans on your shirt. Let's see what happens, shall we? I'll walk out in five minutes. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your support on patreon.com slash UK tech. If you're not uh, supporting us there but would like to, we'd love to welcome you. Remember, there's no commitment. You can just do it for a week. And if you don't like it, you can go uh, and we won't hold anything against you. Obviously, everyone else, keep please leaving your reviews on iTunes. It helps us so much more than you can imagine. And telling a friend or a colleague or a spouse or a son or daughter or granddad or whoever you run into in the street about the show. It really is the most helpful way of getting the show better known it's through your word of mouth so thank you for everyone who has and who will and on that note i think mate i'll see you again in a week yes <laughs>